uh, anywhere near uh, being a, uh, appropriate stand in for the for the pastor, but uh, we will be doing a Bible study kind of like what we do on on Sunday mornings in our in our uh, Sunday morning uh, uh, Bible studies. And um, I thought for uh, this time around, we would kind of dovetail over going into a new year, and I know that a lot of you have signed up to do, uh, you know, the, the, the reading through the Bible uh, next year and signed up for, for all of that, um, and, and that's awesome. We, I know that many of you are, are doing regular Sunday uh, school studies and taking the Bible at home and studying it on your own. Um, maybe you're doing daily devotions, those kind of things, and, and that's awesome as well. Um, but, it, but it's a, a couple of things that I wanted to cover. Uh, most importantly, uh, some of the things that you should you should do before you even get start, uh, started in your in your study, and 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 probably a, a very obvious one that we forget to do is is uh, first and foremost just pray before you start, right? Before you open up the Bible, um, I found that in doing the 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 chore of reading through the Bible over a year, that that's what it becomes, a chore, almost like a stress thing. I mean, I started at one time getting stressed out about it because maybe I had, I had forgotten the day before. Now now I got to double up, right, or else I'm going to be off schedule. Now I got to double my reading, you know, and then you get stressed out. And so that's, we should never approach it that way. You know, it should be a blessing. And, and, I, and so I found that, you know, if I just took, just a few minutes in prayer, and I'm not talking about an altar call prayer. You know, I'm talking about, you know, just just pray that the Lord guides you through the reading, that that uh, He eliminates any stress that you have, any worries, any any physical materialistic things going on in your life, where you can focus on the spiritual. That's what uh, you know you should do. And then, uh, of course, uh, also one of the things that we do um, in Sunday school is. Uh, as we do the who, what, when, and where, right? And, and that's, that's really important because um, if, if you know who wrote it, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you get that context. And you, if you have a Schofield uh, reference Bible, it has that right in the beginning of every book. And if you don't, just kind of Google, Google it, find out uh, what that book is about. Um, you know, who was it directed towards? Uh, where was it written? All of, all of that stuff um, helps you figure out uh, these men that the Lord placed in that particular point in time, in that particular place, to give that message or to guide the people or whatever is going on in, in that particular instance. And, and, um, and so that's what we do every time we go uh, to start uh, some, uh, a book uh, study in, in Sunday school. And so... Uh, beyond uh, just understanding the context itself, uh, when it was written, um, at least understand where you're at in reference to the Bible itself. Now, you might think, well, of course, Brother Pete, you know, I want to know whether I'm in the Old Testament or the New Testament, duh, right? Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's being able to understand what exact part of the Bible you're at. Um, and if you're not sure what I'm talking about, then that's exactly what we're going to be diving into. Second Timothy 2.15 says that study, he 
show thyself approved unto God, not for salvation, but for blessing, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Now, we covered some of this in, in uh, adult Sunday school, and what this means is that every Christian should have an understanding about the word of God so that when you are asked, and you will be asked about it, that you're not embarrassed that you don't know the answer. That's really what this is saying. Needeth not to be ashamed. That's what God is telling you personally tonight, that you shouldn't be ashamed, you shouldn't be embarrassed of not knowing what's in there in the Bible because you haven't studied it. A workman is knowledgeable about what they're supposed to do, and we are all God's workmen, right? And that's primarily about the gospel. You should know about the gospel, the gospel message of salvation. You should have some basic knowledge about doctrine, for instance. I'm not saying that every single person needs to be a theologian. You know, definitely not what I'm saying at all. Um, in, in fact, if you run into somebody that you're presenting the gospel message of salvation to them, and they want to discuss theology with you, they don't, they're not interested in getting saved. They just want to argue. They just want to find some sort of error in, in what you're telling them so they can see, ha, you see, I'm right, you're wrong, and therefore that gives me the right to continue to live my life the way I want. Bound for hell. Bound for hell, right? And then, and then you go, okay, I did my part. You know, hopefully, hopefully at some point this, this person will, will open up um, further to, to, to accept the gospel. You know, uh, basic things. If you received, how many of you received a, a, a Christian-based book for, for Christmas, for Christmas present, right? Our family members love to do that to us, right, because they, they don't know what to give us. You know, oh, those people are, those church people, I don't know what to give them. I know, I'll give them a Christian book. That's a good idea, you know. So so they'll they'll go to the bookstore or wherever, you know, and they'll go, oh, that looks like a famous preacher. I'll give them that book. And you open up and go, you go, great, a book from Joe Osteen. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to do the same thing you do with all the other fruitcake gifts that you got and put in your trash, right? But um, uh, and there's a parable there with fruitcake. But but you should you should at least be able to if you if you're not familiar with the author. I mean that one was obvious. But if you're not familiar with the author, you should be able to uh, Google their name and then go down through what they stand for doctrinally. You know, um, it, you know that they um, they, they, they believe in 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 uh, you know God's message of salvation. You know. Grace, versus works, that kind of thing. Um, what do they believe in? Do they believe in the rapture and when? You know, um, do you know the Great Commission? What kind of Bible version are they using? And if you're not sure doctrinally what you look, you, what you should look for, we have our doctrinal statement here in the church, and you could just oh yeah, they got that in there. I, let me see how parallel this this person is to what you know we believe in, uh, and so on. But getting back to the Bible, rightly dividing the word of truth, the words rightly dividing, as I had said in Sunday school the other day, is a Greek term for a, car, a carpenter's term. It means to cut straight. And so we wouldn't have much of a building here 
that they hadn't kept the angles uh, straight. Everything builds on each other. That is our building plan, by the way. I think that's that's prior to when we expanded the platform here. That platform is one story, but that's that's our their building plan there. And so uh, the people that came in and did the site prep for this building, um, they 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 just had a empty field here, and they had to dig ditches and they had to. Uh, put in where all the pipes are going to be, where all the electrical things are going to be, and all that stuff, so that they, when they got ready to frame out what the foundation was going to be, they could tie in, you know, all those pipes uh, appropriately, so that it all would fit together. And they they had to know where to put the bolts, for instance, uh, uh, prepare where the bolts were going to go, so that when they poured the cement, and then they had these big metal beams that came in. That all had to fit. All those holes had to be attached to it. Um, and, and so the idea is to keep everything straight, rightly dividing, so it's consistent, so the building all fits together. And that's the beauty of scripture that we're going to be talking about tonight, um, he, how he rightly divided it. Um, and, it. and as long as you have that clear in your mind, you won't have a problem. It's easy to understand. It all starts fitting together. And and you step back and just marvel at the beauty of the word of God and how consistent yet divided appropriately throughout each verse. Right? So um, one of the things that you see often is um, you see people mixing the Old Testament law and Christ's earthly ministry, and, 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 and some of Peter's statements with Paul, and then they jump to Revelation, and then they get totally, totally confused. Where you're mixing law and grace, Jew and Gentile, the bolts aren't going to line up. It doesn't fit together. Uh, you have to keep them all separated and all straight. And so as, we're, as we cover this, uh, we're probably going to have to cover it in, in two parts. Probably do um, most of it tonight, and hopefully uh, get through the next time uh, I'm up here. Um, but if we don't have enough time, we'll do it across three parts, and then I'll also include some of the uh, Old Testament prophecies that are clear and delineated in the New Testament. And 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 that's the exciting part when you see how. The, the probability of the things that were said in the Old Testament actually coming true is astronomical um, and, and, and should be an encouragement for all the Christians. And so when I looked at what was uh, available on this topic, it was either too high level or way too much in, in, in the weeds. And even this graphic that we have itself is too simplistic um, and and they, they do the, the proverbial, oh, the Old Testament is about the law, and the New Testament is about uh, uh, the church and grace and so on and so forth. No. No, that's not exactly true. And so I'm going to try to strike a balance between uh, going too much in detail um, and, and, and being uh, – too high level, but to say that this is an essential, essential biblical knowledge that every Christian person should have 
is not an overstatement. We all should understand this clearly. So when I touched on this uh, a couple of Sundays ago, I maybe spent 10 minutes on it, and I realized, that, man, this, is, this isn't even close to not doing it any justice at all. Uh, so when we cut straight, what I'm talking about in the Old Testament is from Genesis up until Abraham. That's a separate period of time uh, compared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then you have the whole uh, up through the nation of Israel, uh, the law, and, and, and temple worship. Those are all segmented out within the Old Testament. If you haven't uh, thought about it this way, uh, we're going to cover this, and, and hopefully after this, you'll start thinking about it that way. Um, and that's not to say that uh, we don't compare Scripture with Scripture and take and, and look at uh, something that was uh, written in Thessalonians and compare it with Genesis because it all still fits together. Remember, it's one complete, you know, uh, building block, so to speak, um, that we understand it is different stages. Uh, same thing with, with the New Testament. You have the birth of Jesus, his earthly ministry. Um, you don't mix that up with, with his death, burial, and resurrection, and you certainly don't mix that up with, with end times revelation, right? It would just be confusing for most, most people. Uh, so tonight we're going to take a, the opportunity to focus on those first three. And there's obviously a, a lot of many different parts that uh, you can uh, look at this and go out at, at your own. But it, that, you know, the Bible says that we should all be able to teach it. We all should be able to understand it to the point of being able to teach it, have a clear understanding of milestones, the building blocks, and so on and so forth. So let's start with the Old Testament. I went through looking for uh, the books on this and, and on the Internet, and sure enough, uh, they're all consistently incorrect, right? At least they're consistent about being incorrect. Um, you know, you look, at, you look at it and it says, oh, yeah, Old Testament, uh, that has to do with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and De Deuteronomy, and all of those have to do with the law. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, no, it doesn't. <laughs> No, it doesn't. There's a lot missing there, um, and 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 you will always see this, and and you know always hear this. Oh, the law, the law. Yeah. Well, we're, I'm going to show you here in a minute that um, that most of the time the law wasn't even in existence. So uh, let's talk about Adam to Abraham. So the time span between Genesis and um, uh, Adam to uh, Genesis, Adam to Abraham is over 2,000 years. That's a long time, 2,000 years. And the Old Testament does a great job of accounting for that, so that's how we know this time span. You know, uh, when you've gotten to reading those uh, verses in the Bible that says, so-and-so begat so-and-so that begat so-and-so and the begat, and it feels like we surely are going through years reading those verses, you flip over three pages and they're still begatting, if that's the word. <laughs> and you go, oh my gosh. But the nice thing about that is that we have a reference point. We have a time frame, right? So for instance, when we add this, uh, when Jacob was born shortly after Abraham died at 175 years, and he came to Egypt at age 130, since the Israelites were in Egypt, we know, for a total of 430 years, we add that 
to this timeline, we have 2,560 years from Adam until the law. That's how much time frame occurred when we, when we read through Genesis before the law even came, in, came on the field. And so that, that's a lot missing. So to say that, oh, the, the, the law encompasses Old Testament, uh, no. Um, because there's no, there's no account of those 2,500 years, right? Genesis uh, to Abraham. So what do we know about the time of Adam and Eve? Well, how long were they there, right? In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, gives us the details of the We have the same application that we have today, right? And so um, what did God have to do after, during, during this time? trying to uh, hope, he was hoping that man would get in fellowship with him, although he knew the outcome, he is the Alpha, the Omega, he knew he was giving us the opportunity, giving us the opportunity, giving us the opportunity, finally he said, well, um, I'm going to have to hit the reset button on this thing, that's the way I look at it, and so... um, uh, our thoughts were uh, allowed, our imagination of thoughts, our, our curiosity to run evil continu- continually. And we know in that same chapter, on uh, verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. The earth itself was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. There was just so much violence. There is so much that is going on here that I can't even really even I can't even say some of the things uh, that were going on, but I can, can tell you that if you, if you uh, put yourself in that situation, you can imagine Satan was having a, a, a field day. He was, he was in his prime, you know. He had all these people. There was no church there. Um, everybody was thinking about doing evil things. Um, they were wicked all the time. And God only found one man in his family that he can that he can approach and try to rebuild with, right? Um, and and what's interesting I, I mentioned before as well that um, every civilization that you look at uh, anywhere on the earth, uh, they all have the same foundational history about the flood and about one one family uh, rebuilding the earth. Um, and reestablishing humanity on earth. So then roughly 1,000 years, 1,000 years after Noah, we have the covenant promises come on, come on the scene, and we have to understand this. Uh, so uh, we started to repopulate the earth, people spread out, and we get to the 11th chapter of Genesis, the 11th chapter of Genesis. Is the law here yet? No, still no law. But we have Abram's call, the first covenant. In Genesis 12, uh, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So this was a promise. God, God said to this infant 
stages of the nation of Israel, he made these promise. And, and Abraham spent a number of years in Egypt to escape the famine where he accumulated wealth. He had no altar, he had no tent, uh, no, no communication from God. Um, and so these years uh, also uh, was a separation from Lot and he took an Egyptian handmaiden who would mother Ishmael. And before Ishmael uh, is born, we have another covenant, uh, the, the covenant on the basis of sacrifice. And that's in Genesis 15, uh, verse 5 through 18. Genesis 15, verse 5 through 18. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom thou shalt serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy father, fathers in peace, Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And so this was all not only a covenant promise, but it was all very prophetic from God. And God laid, laid out this whole timeline and this whole structure for Abram at the time. So Abram, soon to be called Abraham, um, uh, he, he told them that he would, he, he would produce this great nation, the nation of Israel. And of course, um, he would end up being the great, 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 grandfather of Jesus, Abraham, because uh, obviously Jesus, Jesus was a Jew, uh, and he could trace his lineage, um, you know, directly to David, the, the great king, all the way back to Abraham, his great, great, great grandfather. So when you read Matthew, for instance, you, you read uh, the entire genealogy of Jesus Christ. Um, and so, so God also talks about the Jewish cap captivity here in Egypt. He lets them know this is going to happen. And, and, and as we dive into this timeline, you can see how God just uh, laid it out. And finally, the covenant of circumcision we see in Genesis 17, 1 through 10. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham, uh, and Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, 
As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy, thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in, the, in their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and, and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. So, so God laid out the framework, knowing full well that he would use this same lineage to eventually bring forth a Messiah onto the world, knowing, having that, that, that foreknowledge. And so these are covenant promises by the Alpha and Omega, a plan from the beginning of time. Um, these, these are covenants uh, that the Jewish nation uh, will be God's people, and he will provide these things for them, and, 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 they, and, and they will keep these symbols, and they, and they will be his people, his chosen people. This is where a lot of people depart from the word and, and say, well, then it was all predestined, right? Then, you know, God just established all these things, and uh, we had no choice in the matter. Um, and, and they think that, you know, you're just going down this highway and just going with the flow. No, that's not the case. If, if God wanted that, when he flooded the earth, he just would have flooded the whole thing and created man with, with no free will, plain and simple, you know. But he didn't do that, right? So I look at God's creation as a, as a big interstate highway that he created a path for us. Um, and so uh, he expects us to follow it and the path uh, he wants us to take. Um, and at this point, you know, he made promises to this brand new Jewish nation. Um, he agreed with the covenant and they agreed with him, uh, which sets them apart. But as humans, we decide, we make those decisions, right? Whether we're going to live on that path, we're gonna, whether we're going to live right, serve him, uh, whether uh, we're going to uh, share the gospel, so on and so forth and arrive to the right destination that he, that he, he wants us to be at. Or we're going to stay in the side roads, uh, and we're never going to uh, follow his path. Um, or, or, we, or some of us get on, get on the interstate and go a couple of miles, and then, okay, we're, we're going to give up. We're not going to serve the Lord anymore, and we stay at the next rest stop. And a lot of people do that, too. That's free will. Maybe it's simplistic, but I'd throw that out there. Um, last, last point, and we're going to have to close. Um, is uh, Isaac is around uh, 15 uh, years old, right about here when he is offered, Genesis 22, 9. And they came to the place which God had told them of, uh, and Abraham, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. We're very familiar with that. Don't have to go into that very, very much, but 
Uh, we're in chapter 12 now of Genesis and still no law. We have covenant promises. We have uh, defined the Jewish people, the, the, the beginnings of them. Um, and we find that the promises that God made with Abraham was confirmed in Genesis 12 um, and then to Isaac in Genesis 26 and to Jacob in Genesis 28. Um, and Abraham was 75 years old when the covenant was confirmed in Haran. 25 years later, when Abraham was 100 years old, Isaac was born. We see this in Genesis 21. Um, Isaac was 60 years old when Jacob was born in Genesis 25. And then in Genesis 47, we're told that Jacob was 130 years old when he and the rest of the 70 sold uh, came into Egypt and began to stay there in that land. So 30 years from Abraham's call to the birth of Isaac, 60 years to the birth of Jacob. We add those all up and we see it all line up perfectly to uh, those 400 years that God told them that would take place all during that lineage. And so uh, we'll pick this back up um, and we'll go uh, into uh, Moses and I'll show you that we'll, we'll be way into Exodus before the law is given, <laughs> before we even get to the law. So when you think about those first couple of verses, those first couple of uh, chapters in Genesis, now you have those context of you know close to 2,560 years of time frame that went, and we hadn't even we haven't even begun touching on the law, and and we see we see Noah and and how 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 God dealt with us, and 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 how how extremely patient he has been with us, and and in spite of the expectation and we would fall and we would fail and he would come back and provide and, and give us opportunity after opportunity. And then um, after we uh, look at that, uh, then we'll look at the a New Testament and we'll, uh, uh, we'll start uh, looking at uh, Jesus' earthly ministry. And again, people look at the New Testament and says, oh, okay, well, that must be the end of the law. No, not until after the Gospels, really, we'll get into all of that. Any, any questions, comments about what we, what we covered? Anybody, uh, anybody learn something new tonight? Yeah? Yeah, okay, good, good. All right. So at this point, uh, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to go to our uh, missions uh, update.